you're listening to the Nonprofit Power Podcast. Today's episode is about how to build the strong and influential relationships you need with the decision makers that matter to you. So stay tuned. If you want to have real and powerful influence over the money and policy decisions that impact your organization and the people you serve, then you're in the right place. I'm Kath Patrick, and I've helped dozens of progressive nonprofit leaders take their organizations to new and higher levels of impact and success by building powerful influence with the decision makers that matter. It is possible to get a critical mass of money and policy decision makers in your world to be as invested in your success as you are, to have them seeking you out as an equal partner, and to have them bringing opportunities and resources to you. This podcast will help you do just that. Welcome to the Nonprofit Power Podcast. Hey, everybody, Kath Patrick here. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Nonprofit Power Podcast. I'm so glad you're here for today's episode. We all want more influential relationships with the money and policy decision makers in our world, but it often feels like a struggle to build those. We might even be tempted to think that you're either born into those influential circles or you're not. And if you're not, well, there's just not much you can do about it. The fact is, anyone can build powerfully influential relationships. You just need the roadmap. Hey, folks, welcome to the Nonprofit Power Podcast. I'm your host, Kath Patrick, and I'm excited to continue our conversation about the four pillars of successful advocacy and the foundation that supports them. Today, I want to talk about pillar number three, which is build strategic relationships that are focused on results. You've already heard me say a lot about being very specific and very results-focused in your advocacy work in general. But when we're talking about strategic relationships, that becomes especially important. When you look at who's regularly successful in having big influence with decision makers, what you'll notice is that they almost always have a strong relationship with that decision maker. You likely know from personal experience how hard it is to influence a decision maker when you don't have a strong relationship. And maybe you've been frustrated watching a rival organization or a colleague organization that seems to always have the access. They've always got the inside track. When there's big money or big opportunities in your community or in your state, there's always that one organization that seems to get the goodies. And maybe you're frustrated by that. Maybe you're feeling like, geez, that's not fair. They've got an inside track. But I would invite you to consider that if you've got one of those creatures in your neighborhood, the difference is that they have built strong and influential strategic relationships with the decision makers that matter to them in their world. And you can too. I'm all about helping you develop that same level of powerful influence with the decision makers that you care about. And a huge piece of that is building deep, strong relationships. 90% of successful influence building with decision makers is about building relationships. The stronger and deeper, the better. Solid relationships where both parties know, like, and trust one another is really key to getting things done in the world, quite honestly. If you think about it, if you think about how really innovative and big projects get done in any arena, 
there's always somewhere in there a visionary or two and a little bit of a dream team of people who have energy and influence and passion who are able to assemble the resources, clear the obstacles out of the way, and get really big stuff done. Relationships are at the heart of all of that. None of us does anything really big and visionary on our own. We already know that. By nature, most nonprofit leaders are pretty collaborative. We're great at building partnerships. We're great at reaching across to colleagues and other potential partners and allies. And we're all about our coalitions and all of that great stuff, which is wonderful. But we have to apply the same intensity of focus and the same amount of energy to building strategic relationships with decision makers, with the ones who have the power to direct resources or policy that matters to us. Not only are solid relationships really critical to getting stuff done, they're also key in getting opportunities to flow your way. A great example of this is a client I worked with for several years. This was a CEO of a medium-sized direct service nonprofit in a medium-sized Midwestern city. She was really good at building connection and trust with all kinds of people in the community. She was always building relationships. She loved connecting with people. And she had almost a sixth sense about who would be helpful to build a relationship with. It wasn't always the most obvious decision maker in the room. But she understood sort of how the movers and shakers operated in her community. And she knew that it was useful to have relationships in all walks of mover and shakerdom. So she had friends in the corporate world. She had friends in the nonprofit world. She had friends in the foundation world. And I don't mean that she was born with these friendships or that she inherited them through her family or the school she went to or anything like that. She didn't have any of those legacy connections. She just built them. Her organization was going along, providing their direct service program that they're very good at and had been very good at for a long time. They had had a small contract with a local government entity to provide some specialized and more elevated services to a specific target population in their community. The state was interested in doing something similar statewide, but they really didn't know how they were going to make that happen. And so they reached out to local government folks and said, how'd you pull this off? And the local government folks said, oh, well, we have an ally in the nonprofit community who is making this happen. They're amazing. Without getting into a ton of details, because they're a little shy about sharing those, the state came to this organization and said, we would like you to do on a statewide basis what you've been doing here in this primary community. Are you interested? And can you do it? And my client said, yes, and yes. And then they went home and figured out how to do it because they were not currently a statewide services provider. There was an enormous ramping up that had to happen. There was a lot of work to make that real. But the ingredients were that there was deep trust built and a reputation built with a local decision maker. A statewide decision maker then reached out to that local decision maker and said, what do you think? Should we play with these people? The answer was absolutely. So that relationship was key. And then once my client said yes to the state, they got busy trying to figure out how to actually make it happen logistically because they had to make a lot of changes to what they were doing in order to be able to provide the service statewide. While they were working on that, the state's busy working on putting together the finances for this and what their end of the bargain is going to look like. 
So the next time they talk, the state says to my client, so we'd like to start this contract off at a million dollars. And here's what we want for that million dollars. At the time, my client's entire organizational budget was slightly above a million dollars. This appeared to be an out-of-the-blue offer of a huge amount of resources to create massive impact on a statewide level that, until that moment, my client had only been able to dream about. But the reality is it never would have happened without the relationship-building work she had done. Once that contract was implemented, my client went to work building relationships with absolutely every person at the state level who had anything to say about this program. Anybody who had any financial decision-making, any kind of oversight, any kind of future contracting, she built relationships with all of them. And the end result was not only did they totally knock it out of the park in terms of delivering statewide services that had never existed up until that moment, the state was so happy that they just kept increasing the amount of the contract. Somebody on the outside looking at that might say, well, how'd she get such an in? How'd she do that? Well, the answer is she did the work. She did the relationship building work. And very importantly, she was maniacal about making sure that her organization delivered a thousand percent on anything they said they were going to do all the time. So they had an outstanding reputation for doing what they said they would do and doing even more. She was a master at under promise and over deliver. I'm zeroing in on the ingredients in her success in this episode because they're such a good illustration of how you successfully build a results-oriented strategic relationship. Now, one of the things that gave my client a little bit of an advantage in this is that she is what I call an innate relationship builder. It's how she's wired. When she meets somebody, she immediately seeks connection. She is an incredible listener. She is warm and kind, and people respond to that. She asks about people. She gets to truly know them. And so often, decision makers who are fairly powerful and who have authority over significant money or significant policy experience relationship building from people who approach it as a transactional relationship. And that doesn't feel good. That feels kind of icky. Even though they know that on some level it is a little bit transactional, they're humans and none of us likes to feel that way. None of us likes to feel like somebody only loves us for our decision-making authority or whatever. One of the things that my client is incredibly good at because this is her nature is she just seeks that personal connection and finds a way to create it. One of her absolute simplest and most secret weapons is she's a really good listener. And she actually genuinely cares about the person sitting across from her. She wants to understand them. She wants to know what makes them tick in a way that comes from a desire for human connection, as opposed to let me put you under a microscope and try to figure out how you operate so that I can then influence you later. In describing it, it's a subtle difference. But on the receiving end, when you're experiencing it, it's a huge difference. I know that you know the difference in how it feels when you're on the receiving end. Always keep that in mind. So if you're not yet an innate relationship builder, you can still build those skills and become more adept and more effective over time. And those are skills that are very much worth developing. I will also say that the better you get at them in one part of your life, 
people in other parts of your life will start to notice. Nobody ever said, oh, it's so annoying. I hate that she just actually listens to what I say and really cares about it. Nobody ever said, oh, I'm so annoyed that he's actually interested in the things I say. So whether it's a personal relationship or a strategic relationship or any other relationship, you can never go wrong being a good listener and being kind and caring and genuinely wanting to know what that person thinks and how they feel. And like I say, if by nature you're a little introverted and less inclined to engage people in that way, especially people you may not know very well, it's a skill and you can work on it in pieces and at a pace that doesn't push your comfort zone too far. It's always good to push your comfort zone a little because if we're not doing that, we're not growing. We already know how important deep and trusting relationships are in building influence. One of the mistakes that I see nonprofit leaders make fairly often is waiting until there's a crisis or a need before they start building the strategic relationship. The absolute worst time to build a relationship is when you want something. It's no different than any other part of your life. Hi, nice to meet you. I want you to do something for me. That's just never a winning opener. So we have to think long-term. We have to think big picture. We can't just be focused on the immediate need or crisis or desire that is directly in front of us today. We have to be thinking, and as leaders, this is part of our job. It's our job to see around corners. It's our job not only to see into the future, but to envision a future that nobody else sees yet. So when we're envisioning that future that no one else can see yet, part of our job is to think about what relationships will I need? Who would be my dream team to help make that happen? Who else will need to be at the table? Who else will need to buy in to this vision to bring it about? When you're thinking like that, you start to see what other kinds of strategic relationships would be important in service of that vision. And then you start building those relationships today. You don't wait till you're 90% of the way to your vision and then go, oh, well, yeah, I'm going to need this one more person at the table, so I'll go out and build that relationship now. One of the most helpful mental shifts that you can make is to see all relationship building as an exciting opportunity rather than a chore. Because truth is, most people are pretty cool. Most people are pretty interesting. And if you get to know them as humans, you're going to find connecting with them a whole lot more fun and rewarding. But you want to start today. You know the saying, The best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The next best time is today. Same thing with strategic relationships. And the fact is that leaders who are the most successful at influencing decision makers are the ones who invest long-term in building deep and strong relationships. The other secret to successful strategic relationship building is connected back to pillar two of knowing what you want. With all of your strategic relationships, It's really helpful to drill down and identify what specifically you want from each relationship. Now, I know I just said, don't be all transactional about this, and I don't mean to direct you toward a transactional approach. But if you're too much in the other direction, and you're just kind of building relationships with people in general, kind of hoping that someday that'll be useful, you're going to wear yourself out. This is about intentionality and focus. 
and an easy way to bring the most beneficial intentionality and focus to your strategic relationship building is to have done the work to think about what vision am I trying to bring about that I need this person to help me with. And then you can drill down further and say, okay, if it's in service of this larger vision, what piece of that vision is this decision maker the key to? And then from there, you can ask yourself, okay, if they're key to this piece of the vision, what specific actions do I need them to take to help move that vision forward? And if you come at it from that perspective, it will help you not get stuck in transaction mode and keep you in big picture and vision mode, but still allow you to be specific and focused and intentional in how you build that relationship and what you hope it will do for you. The easiest way to do that is to actually create some very specific results-oriented goals for the relationship. And as we've been saying all along, typically these are going to be about money and or policy. But they're also about how you want the relationship to operate. This is huge. This is another area where I see nonprofit leaders go a little bit off track. This very much ties to the foundation, which we'll be talking about in a future episode. Particularly when we have had some lived experiences that have taught us maybe that a lot of decision makers aren't our friend or don't tend to listen to people like us or whatever challenges we have in thinking about building these relationships and trying to build influential relationships, is that we sometimes suffer a failure of imagination or a failure of aspirations. We sell short the notion of what is truly possible. Again, go back to thinking about your big vision and think about a decision maker as being a key piece of helping you to bring your vision to reality. If this were a friend or a colleague where there was no weird power dynamic between you, you had equal power, equal agency, you're just two people who are excited about a vision. Think about how you would engage with that person and how they would engage with you. You'd be interacting as peers getting excited about making something big happen. So when you imagine how you want the relationship with the decision maker to operate, be imagining that kind of a relationship. and then. Start taking that further based on what that decision maker actually has the power to do. If they're really invested in you, if they're invested in their relationship with you, and they're excited about your vision, they may be bringing opportunities to you on a regular basis. They may be calling you up asking for your advice or perspective. You are definitely operating on some level as peers, as problem-solving partners, co-collaborators working toward a grand vision. So that has to be part of your goals for your relationship in order for you to come to it in a way that's going to actually help you build influence long term. Needless to say, although this often gets left out, you also need to clarify how you can bring value to the relationship. This isn't a one-way street. It's not just let's build a relationship with the decision maker so they can do stuff for us. Again, thinking like a problem-solving partner How can you help them with the stuff they're struggling with? Or if you have a shared vision, what's your part in that? How are you helping to bring that thing about? It's very important to understand what problems the decision maker is trying to solve and how your work helps to solve that problem. 
and be aware that might not be such an obvious and direct connection. Sometimes it's tangential and you have to be kind of creative and don't always think in a linear fashion, but think more of a web and see how all the things in their world intersect with all the things in your world and where you might be able to bring value somewhere in that web of connection. And then once you've figured out what that is, then you frame that value in a way that will resonate with the decision maker, which can be tricky if it doesn't appear to be perfect alignment, but there's always a way. Again, back to pillar one, which is all about knowing your decision maker and knowing what makes them tick. If you've done that analysis, if you've made those observations, that will really help inform how you frame the value you are bringing when you're talking to them. We can break this out into three basic strategic elements. Define your ideal collaborative relationship with the decision maker. Define the specific results you're looking for from that relationship, both near and long term. And if it's helpful, also pin your big vision to that. And clarify what value you bring to the relationship. If you do those three things and get those written down, and I'm going to help you with that, then you can assess the status of the relationship as it is now, taking a hard look at what you want, where you want that relationship to be, and where you are now, and how big is that gap. And whether the gap is large or small, you can take a look at what's working well and what's not in the context of that relationship, and then identify what needs to change to make more of it be working well. Now, if you're like most nonprofit leaders, your strategic relationships are in varying states of strength and depth, depending on the decision maker in question. And perhaps there are some decision makers where you don't yet have a relationship, but you know on some level you need one. So I've put together an exercise for you to help with both of those pieces. This is in the Pillar 3 part of the workbook that goes with these first few episodes of the podcast. And if you haven't already downloaded that, I encourage you to do that. I'll link it up in the show notes for easy access. Your assignment is going to be to pick two decision makers. Pick one that you already have a relationship with and one that you'd like to develop a relationship with. And then for each of them, identify the concrete results you want from each of those relationships and then define your ideal relationship. And in the case of the existing relationship, you'll assess where the relationship is now and where you want it to be. And in the case of the yet-to-be-created relationship, you're going to assess what it would take to get you on the path toward the relationship that you desire. Tackle that this week. It won't take you a ton of time. And as you work through the workbook, you're going to start seeing how all of these pillars interact with one another and how they're related. And hopefully, if you're doing the work, you may already start to be seeing some changes. Or maybe you're having some ah ahas. If that's happening, I'd love to hear about it. Reach out to me at nonprofitpowerpodcast.com slash contact. I promise if you do this work, it will produce results for you. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode.